0: What's up everybody? I hope you're all doing well today. Welcome to Engage Ecclesia. This is a podcast that I've created to equip the saints of the kingdom of God on a weekly basis with short sermons, discussions, and interviews. Please know that every episode is going to be short. That's the intent behind this is to give you something quick, easy, and convenient that you can listen to while getting ready for work, while driving to work, on a break at work, maybe on your lunch break. Um while you work out uh you know it's it's meant to be short and easy and encouraging. This is episode 4. I'm your host Justin Williams. I'm a former youth pastor, education pastor, and I'm an eventual church planner. Today I want to talk about what it means to scare the hell out of them. You know, I grew up in a church down south here in Texas in the Bible Belt, where, quite frankly, every Sunday we got a sermon with the intent of scaring the hell out of the people that were there. And sadly, this has led to a large number of people who have been to church, uh, maybe even grown up in the church, who have gotten the entire wrong idea of what being a Christian is. We've gotten this mentality where I'm scared of going to hell, so I'll be a Christian. And that was never how it was intended from God in the beginning. Yes, hell is real. Hear me out. Before we get into this, I want you to know hell is real. And if you don't follow God and believe in God, it is a place you'll go. I'm not discrediting that in any way in this podcast. Please know that. But the issue is churches, pastors, friends of Christians, Christian friends are dropping the ball with how we share Christ. I've had so many friends who grew up in church with me, very committed, coming to Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday school, doing small groups, you know, I've been around tons of students who do those things because they're expected to, or because they think it's what they need to do. We've gotten to a point where following Christ is more of a checklist than it is an everyday interactional relationship with God. I know people and you know people, maybe you are one of these people who started going to church and decided to walk an aisle and say a prayer because you were scared of hell. And it's not a bad thing to come to conclusion to follow Christ that way, but it's a dangerous thing if it doesn't move past that. Countless people show up at church on Sundays and avoid doing these big bad sins so they can feel good about their Christian walk. But the fruit of a Christian isn't just the absence of sin, the absence of bad behavior, as much as it is the presence of that good, of the fruits of the Spirit. You know, a true believer will have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, Matthew 7 says... Yes, in this passage, you can pull out where it mentions being thrown into the fire and compare it to hell. That's true. But more importantly, the fact that we can be recognized by our fruits, the fact that we can possess and and live out those fruits. So many people walked an aisle, said a prayer and aren't showing fruit. Fruit isn't going to church. Fruit isn't not committing adultery or doing drugs. Fruit is genuinely showing compassion to others naturally. Fruit is being forgiving, being patient, loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with all your heart. We've come to a point in life where we're so focused on self that we miss the opportunities of bearing fruit and loving others. Let's take this a different direction. Think about that person in your life that you know isn't following God. There's two ways as Christians we can want this person to respond. The first way I want to mention the most common thoughts that we have, which aren't fully where they need to be is. We hope they change their ways. We hope they they can be changed. We hope they can start doing better. Those are all good things, but it's not the total package. A lot of times, even as parents of our children, we hope that our kids can behave well. We hope that our kids can avoid you know, losing their virginity at a young age or avoid experimenting with drugs, and we feel accomplished. But let me tell you, I know students who have done those things who are now more committed to God than they were before. Not because of those things, but because they're just real. And yes, they experienced hard times, but those hard times didn't prevent them from loving God or following God. Those hard times happened, and they acknowledge that, and they move on. So as parents and as concerned friends for others, our main thought shouldn't be we hope they change. Our main thought should be that they would truly experience God and naturally be changed through that. So often we get happy if they get into a program and quit doing drugs or we have an alcoholic friend who, who checks into AA and gets his life back together. That's good and all. But more important than fixing their actions is fixing their focus in their relationship. We should be more concerned with them encountering, experiencing, and living for Christ and being changed by Christ. You know, the Christian walk isn't about bad people becoming good people. It's not about sinners becoming better as much as it is about the dead coming alive. We're not just bad people who get better. We are dead people who've been given life from God. You look in the book of Ezekiel chapter 37 where we see this perfect illustration. Starting in verse one, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. These bones are dead. It's old, dry, dead bones that we're seeing here. Verse three. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, "O Lord, God, you know. Verse seven, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. They lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. You know, we see here a perfect picture of the dead coming to life. We see the dead coming to life. But get this. You know, we see in verse 8 that they came to life. They had the skin, they had the the tissues and the bones connected, and and they were there. But there was no breath in them. I feel like the people who walk the aisle and say a prayer. You know, they get that, that, that semi-life. You know, things are coming together for them, just like the bones and muscles and whatnot. Things are coming together. But until the breath of God fills you, we're still dead. Think about it. You see a dead body on a murder show, a crime TV show, or even in real life at a funeral. That body, it has the flesh. It has the muscles and the bones and the skin but it's still not alive. You see a skeleton. A skeleton is just as dead as a cadaver, as a body on a lab table or a body at a funeral. The skeleton and that body are equally dead. They're not alive unless there is breath breathing uh, within them and a heartbeat. And that comes from God. That comes from the Holy Spirit filling us. That word "numa," which means Holy Spirit, is the same word that means breath and wind. We're filled and given life. You know, a lot of you people listening, you might be thinking, well, so I believe in God. I said a prayer. I go to church. I'm trying to be good, you know, but, but I'm not, Ever going to be like these preachers or like or like these Christians we see uh, who are going on mission trips or serving the community, That's too much for me. I'm just content being a believer in God who goes to church. Let me tell you something. The book of Peter Second uh, Peter, chapter one, verse one, starts off like this. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus. So he talks off, he starts off by mentioning that he's a servant and an apostle of Christ. Would you hear that? And you're like, yeah, he's up there. He's high ranked. He's a strong, solid Christian. But what does he say next? He's writing this to believers. And he says, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and our savior, Jesus. Peter is saying, you were equal in the faith to me and to Paul and to, to these other people, to Billy Graham, to, to Matt Chandler, to Stephen Furtick, to, you know, these other believers, Francis Chan, uh, you know, we're equal in the faith to those that we see as greater than us. We're truly equal. So regardless of where you're at, what you've done, how your walk with Christ is, if you're a child of God, you're equal with them and you have the same authority. You have the same gifts. It might not be the same gifts. You, you have gifts on the same level as theirs. And you are called to be used for God and by God. People, let's stop scaring the hell out of people and let's start sharing life with them instead of the hell being the driving point to scare people into a faith with Christ. Let's let that breath, that life be the driving point. It's so easy as Christians to be, to be wrapped up in leading people to Christ. So they avoid hell, but that's not the main concern the experience of life from God so much greater. It is so much greater than the avoidance of hell. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope that you uh, were able to get something from this. It is my prayer that everyone under the sound of my voice listening to this would truly have that relationship with God not just to avoid hell but to experience the life he's made you for here on this earth and the afterlife. God is good. Go out and be the Ecclesia.